We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. live today too that's what we're going to talk about today on live dealing bananas those of you who are listening on the podcast feed will note that this is live and we'll be talking through uh day two as we're doing it those of you that are with us live on youtube we're happy to have you here and we'll be doing sort of a normal stealing bananas type episode as we talk through day one and day two i'm ben gretch Find my newsletter at bengarsatsubsite.com. With me, as always, is Sean Siegel. Found all his great work at Rotoviz. We're also talking, Sean, about coming back tomorrow as well to try to just keep this sort of a marathon to try to get that subscriber number up is really the goal. So help us out with that. Uh, Wondell Robinson to the Giants. I, I feel like that is a pretty quick indication that they are out on Kadarius Tony because that's a really similar skill set, right? You would think so. And the, the only question that I have with Robinson is that, you know, he's he's a little guy. And while we talk about you want to go after talent and let the skills manifest however they manifest, and there are a lot of different ways that receivers can win. That's one of the things I think is so cool about the setup that the Eagles have now is they have three very different guys. We are looking at Robinson as being smaller than almost everybody he brings up as a comp in the box score scout you're looking at the enthusiastic names and you're thinking well you know he's he's kind of right in there but those guys are bigger so you know we're looking here at, at guys like paul richardson dd westbrook stefan diggs again a guy who a lot of similarities but is bigger tylen wallace somebody that now has some possibilities with the trade that they made yesterday and then elijah moore even so again these guys are a little bit bigger but robinson had an absolutely fantastic season last year he's one of the guys that we were looking at as a sleeper he's one of the guys who checks the most boxes in the random forest exercise that blair did recently and so when we're looking at the top players we mentioned yesterday on the sort of frantic stream and if if anybody missed that Traylon burks nine boxes drake london eight those guys are checking boxes that when you go back and look historically, the players, the other players who are doing that, you're talking about Jordy Nelson, Des Bryant, Keenan Allen, Allen Robinson, Amari Cooper, AJ Green, some of the very best receivers in the NFL, which is one of the reasons we've been a little bit more optimistic maybe than the community. But understanding, again, this isn't everything. You also want to understand the potential demerits. But we were enthusiastic. Then you get down into the range with Sky Moore, also with eight so he's someone that we're still very closely tracking here but then the next group and it's a very clear break to the group after that well the next group is jalen tolbert david bell and wandell robinson tolbert obviously a small school guy david bell someone who just cratered throughout the draft process because the athletic testing was so bad and yet obviously we're, we're hoping that he goes today too if he goes on day two in the first three rounds. I'm very optimistic for him. But Robinson, to be a guy who checks all of these boxes, and just to give a, a sense here, but he's an early declare, 42% market share receptions last year, over 112 all-purpose yards per game, more than six career receptions per game. He has that career market share yards 
of just south of 35%. I mean, these are huge, huge numbers. If he were a little bit bigger, I mean, we'd be talking about him as a superior prospect to the Ohio State guys who went yesterday. So there's some question here about what the Seattle landing spot means for Kenneth Walker in Dynasty. There's a, an obvious question here about what this means for Wando Robinson, but we do still want to probably, I mean, I don't think we're going to be able to update our Dynasty first round every one of these surprising picks. I think the Wando thing is very interesting, but let's say we'll do that here in a little ways into the second round, maybe coming up in the next half hour or hour, we will talk through where all of these guys fall for us. And we'll think through that a little bit. Certainly interesting for Kenneth Walker, interesting for Wandale Robinson. I want to see where Sky Moore goes before we start talking about where it all fits. I want to see where these quarterbacks go before we start saying how far they are going to fall. So we'll get a little bit more, uh, George Pickens, another one that is being mentioned here in the chat. We want to see where he ends up, and then we can talk through sort of what we think. Certainly, that'll be something that we get to today for sure. Very surprising first 11 picks. We have not seen a single quarterback. I keep saying that, you know, we thought they would come. Sean, I know, I mean, you, you're you one of the people that convinced me on that the most. Uh, one of the things that we talked about on the show was we we thought all of the quarterbacks might go by about pick 45. One has gone, and we are two picks away from that number. I mean, the NFL does not like this quarterback class. I think that's very clear. I still think it's a pretty big mistake for a lot of these teams, especially the Seattle Seahawks, who had two picks and decided to take a running back instead of taking a swing at quarterback and seeing. I mean, Pete Carroll's like 70, Sean. Like, does he actually think he's going to win? Like, you. You should be taking the swing on the quarterback because you're going to need to win quick. How long are you going to be? Now Mechie has gone. I'm I'm at a loss, Sean. But you you, you presumably need to win quick. Does he really think Mechie, that if Kenneth he actually Walker... has gone? Then this is fantastic because it's pushing down good players to the Chiefs. Keep going with where you're going there. Yes. So John Mechie goes to the Texans. Let's talk well, about that. That'll that'll fix their problem with just having Brandon Cooks, right? Oh god. So Nico Collins rising. Why? Yeah. So Mechie, not one of your favorites. Houston actually. I, I mean, I don't know. They, they've they've done things pretty poorly for a long time. They have Nick Casario in there now. They have a lot of needs. Taking a receiver here makes some sense. Seems like a pretty big miss when you have George Pickens and you have Sky Moore on the board as guys that could potentially be long-term number one wide receivers for you. We don't see Mechie as being that kind of guy. No, I don't think so. You talk about the different boxes here, and he basically doesn't check any. Also, some injury things down the stretch for him. But all of this will be a little bit different if all of those Alabama receivers that he had to spend some time playing behind went out and had Justin Jefferson-type rookie seasons. But that's not really the case. Right? And he's had a lot of different opportunities to blow up and show the numbers. You know, Jamison Williams obviously does that and ends up in the top 15. I mean, you're talking about drafting a guy probably for the floor. And there is value to having four or five good wide receivers on your roster. But I don't think that you can take a floor player in the second round of the NFL draft. You definitely can't do it when you're trying to rebuild your team and you have so many needs. So Mechie's not a guy that we're going to be vaulting into the first round. As we see some of these other guys slip, it's going to be interesting to talk about guys like Dotson as well. We preach that landing spot doesn't matter that much. This has been a really interesting draft. And we talked on the show about how landing spot might start to matter more. If you're in that boat that we are in, where it, it really doesn't matter that much, you have to acknowledge that with that gap widening that we are always talking about, the, the haves and the have-nots of the different offenses in the NFL – that it is going to be important for your player to be on a have offense, a team that actually understands modern NFL and knows how to try to go out and win games in, in the current NFL. Because if they're on the Seahawks, you're pretty much screwed. Um, that would be the, the best example I could give of the have nots. So landing spot is starting to matter a little bit more. We were concerned about Dotson last night. I would say Mechie already being a prospect that we don't necessarily like now landing here with Houston. I mean, there's going to be a lot of available targets in this and that, but you're right. He's going to push down players that we do like. I actually kind of love this because I, I'm not sure I would have loved any receiver in that spot. Like yeah. a sky more that we really like landing in Houston. 
Is there a situation here where I wouldn't move Mechie because of the draft slot? It's not high enough to say, okay, you're going to be able to draft him and flip him. They don't have the great quarterback situation yet. Do you move him up at all because the available opportunity would seem to be pretty significant? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to move him up some from... I, in Superflex, what was he, a late second, I think, in my my league? I think he went actually into the third in my Superflex. And then in my single QB, he went in the second. So certainly, I think he's he's comfortably in the second somewhere at this point. The question here that I wanted to address was, who do we like more, Mechie or Wandale? For me, it's Wandale by a mile. He has a much better profile. And I also trust the Giants a little bit more because we have Brian Dable potentially moving the Giants into that halves bucket, right? Into that bucket that is actually doing the things that we want from an offense. And so there's reason to be optimistic and, and hopeful. I wouldn't even have these guys particularly close, Mechie and Wondell. I'm looking at Wondell as like, this is a big bump. This is the capital we wanted to see. This is an offense that could be exciting. You talked about the not, not having the quarterback situation figured out in Houston. They don't really necessarily have it figured out with the Giants. I'm more hopeful that the Giants could then get that figured out and be a, a productive offense in 2023 than I am that Houston's going to get there in 2023. Yeah. When you put Mechie into the box score scout, you enter that draft pick slot and you see the sim scores are not very close. And so one of the things that's telling you is that players with his background, with his profile are not normally selected in this area of the draft. That's already a little bit of an insight that this is a reach. But then some of the names you do get, Deontay Johnson, if he turned out to be Deontay Johnson, we'd be pretty excited. So, you know, there there are some upside possibilities. Then you get Van Jefferson, Lavelle Hawkins, Ace Sanders, Riley Ridley, Demarcus Robinson. Obviously, the Chiefs always hoping that Robinson could be the thing for them. Those are not names that you're going to move into certainly not into the late first round i don't know that mechie when it's all said and done is even a second round rookie pick in Superflex. couple good well first of all we have the ravens going defensive end here i think that's interesting as it relates to rashad bateman obviously they just traded away marquise brown and they used that pick the other day on i believe it was for for kyle hamilton the safety they had a couple first rounds or was it it was later for tyler linderbaum they're the center that they took regardless they did not take a receiver to replace him and now here in the second round <clears throat> there's some interesting names available and they once again make a decision to go elsewhere they seem to be pretty committed to rashad bateman and mark andrews as sort of their future core obviously Sammy watkins is now gone he's in green bay and you talked about tylen wallace as a prospect that we really liked last year as a deeper guy he might have that space. Now, Miles Boykin has been cut. Uh, the Ravens are, are seeming to indicate they're comfortable with where they're at. Another question was, are we starting to approach Mims and Butler zone for George Pickens, Denzel Mims, Hakeem Butler? Guys that uh, this is anchoring to pre-draft eval. Those are guys that fell. I would also bring up DK Metcalf was a guy that was talked about a lot in the first round, fell all the way to the late second, if I'm not mistaken. When it's a guy like Pickens, one of the things that you've talked a lot about is when you have dudes that fall. I don't, I don't know if necessarily if this is specifically what you've talked about, if I've heard this elsewhere, but that um, a lot of times the guys that do hit are ones that have some red flags. And we heard some red flags about Pickens in the draft process. I'm almost not concerned about Pickens because I think for me, it's it's fairly easy to chalk it up to probably the teams were a little bit frustrated about some of the the red flaggy type stuff. But we've actually seen that then pay off for the team that winds up being willing to take them. You can go all the way back to Randy Moss. Like one of the biggest reasons he fell all the way to the 20s was teams just thought he was not the right personality. He got kicked out of two schools in college. He was at Notre Dame and Florida State before he wound up at Marshall. Obviously, there's things with like Tyreek Hill, and there's been a lot of players. Uh, and I believe that was part of the issue with Metcalf. I'm not entirely certain, but I think there was some talk of him sort of just not testing well or not doing well in interviews with the teams. That's what we started to hear about Pickens. I'm not that concerned, I guess, if that's going to make him fall into the late second, because we've seen that actually wind up be a steal for the team that takes him and that player go on to be good in a lot of situations. Yeah. I'm not worried about the second round yet for exactly those reasons. You also have the injury, you know, he came back, but how healthy is he? You know, when will he be 
fully 100%. We have all the great news with Jamison Williams. That doesn't mean that all injured players are going to come back seamlessly and be able to do what team need teams need right away. So we're looking at that portion of it as well. We know some of the teams that we're looking at him too are going to be looking at him late in the second round. If they pass on him and he moves into the third, I think that's where we start to worry. That's, that's kind of the room for him, whereas the first sort of 45 picks were the worry area for the quarterbacks, and obviously we're, we're through that now. <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm shocked. We have not seen a quarterback. I'm also somewhat shocked we have not seen Sky Moore's name called. There was a lot of talk that teams really liked him and that he was a first-round grade for a lot of teams. And we've now seen three receivers go here in the second after the six yesterday. We're nine receivers deep. Wondell Robinson is gone. John Mechie is gone. Those are not the guys that we expected to go eight and nine at the receiver position. It's very interesting that Sky Moore is still sitting there. I'd like to see his name be called very soon as well, sort of similar to that Pickens thing. I, I This isn't crazy for Sky Moore, right? Because there was some talk. I mean, I think uh, at grinding the mocks, his, his average – uh, mock range was pick 50 and we're at pick 47 if i'm not mistaken that was that's my memory talking there but i think we're like right to where his like average pick range actually was even though some people had him as a potential fringe first rounder but um i, I do want to see him go soon he's another one that we don't want to see continue to fall chiefs here in three picks uh, uh, apparently liked sky more sean is that a pick you'd like for the chiefs yeah i was joking with pat and pete yesterday about his highlights and about him not necessarily having the high first round upside you get into this range and you're pretty excited about him again not really something where i'd be worried a couple of the guys the chiefs have been connected to look like probably at least one will fall to them i think we get a little bit more information if they pass on both of them again but just in terms of you know mechie who we just looked up and his comps the first name that popped there was Deontay Johnson, who's small school receiver and was picked 66th, right? It's not something where I think falling into this range, especially for a small school prospect, means that teams don't like him. And one of the things that we have here, when you hear the pre-draft rumors and players are connected into the late first round and that type of thing, there are going to be some teams that like them there. And then if a different player at another position that they need, they have even higher on their board, falls to them as well, then they can take that person there they don't they don't pick again instantly and they don't have enough ammunition to constantly be trading up and so if those players go through a couple of those teams then they can fall for a while it doesn't mean that the pre-draft rhetoric was necessarily wrong or that the teams don't like them but each team when they're on the board they can only pick one person sometimes when you're more familiar with a certain guy than another and obviously we're more familiar with the offensive guys when those guys don't meet our top expectations then we think that it's really bad news for them when in fact it's just that there are more players than just that handful that are being looked at here when I mean, we're still in the 40s right so guys who go in these next 30 40 picks if they go in the right team you know and, and if they have the profile in the first place one of the things we talk about all the time is that the early breakout guys overperform their draft slot by a huge amount the guys who are early declares overperform by a huge amount. So when you're looking at that draft slot, I mean, you're still going to be adjusting up and down. Some of the guys with the great profiles who go here, it's actually very good for you in fantasy because you get them less expensively and the knock or the hit that they take because they didn't go in the first 20 picks, it actually isn't going to influence, and it's not going to influence their NFL career, how good they are is, right? And so that portion of it can be very good for you as you're trying to put together your strategy for next week. Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people in the chat talking about the Bears coming up here. Washington took a defensive end. Bears are now on the clock. They are one of those teams, as you were talking about, sort of just other teams maybe having guys they like or this or that. Bears are a team that does not have a lot of offensive skill talent necessarily. I mean, whatever. Depends on your 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 opinion of David Montgomery. We like Cole Komet and uh, obviously Darnell Mooney. But like, even if you like all those guys a lot, I think you can still admit that they're pretty thin. They did not have a first-round pick. They took Kyler Gordon, the cornerback from my Washington Huskies, in the early part of the second round. He was a guy who was mocked in the first round quite frequently. It very well could have been a scenario where they just felt that it was great to have him there available for them. But now they're on the clock again. And, and like you were saying, maybe it's one of those teams that thought, okay, there's a couple of receivers we like. One of them will make it to us. I'd like to see them take a receiver. I'd like to see Justin Fields get another weapon here. 
I, I mean, I don't know if I'm j- like doing backflips about that landing spot for the receiver necessarily, as much as I have faith in, in fields. I don't know that I have a lot of faith in the Chicago bears, but this could be one of those examples of a team that maybe actually liked some of these receivers was patient, stayed put and, and ends up taking one that they actually like quite a bit and are willing to use. And this is still pretty strong draft capital on all of those types of things. And would this be moving ahead of the chiefs in just a couple of picks to get their guy here? They are on the clock. Uh, the chiefs are two picks behind them from what I'm looking at, I believe. So they already are uh, ahead of the chiefs. It goes Bears, Saints, Chiefs. This could be certainly a wide receiver range. The Saints could could dip back into that well as well. So who do you prefer for them? Pickens, more? I think I like more for them. I mean, Pickens I mean, makes... You're going to go more vertical for the, the right. big arm there for Fields. It fits, but like I think Mooney was already a pretty good fit with that. I, I like Komet underneath. I, I don't know. I, I think more could bring a really interesting element as a guy who can just rack up targets underneath be a sort of a safety valve. We know that fields has had some, one of his biggest issues is, is the, the propensity to hold onto the ball and sort of, you know, some people describe it as processing slow or, or taking too long to, you know, read the field or develop the play a guy who can just win on his routes constantly and rack up these really high targets per out runs and showed that, I mean, he showed that against weaker competition, but, it seems like that's a, a skill of Sky Moore. Somebody who can dependably be open when he's facing a, a defensive look that he doesn't like. He can he can go to Sky Moore. You know, um, you already have that vertical element with Mooney to a degree. I think Moore would bring more, but I'm I'm fine with look giving Pickens two and have two vertical elements. Right, like that's great. That, that'll that'll be fine for him as well. Do you think there's a possibility of Alec Pierce here, Sean? It's been it's been enough. We don't need Justin Fields to get dunked on too. Come on, it's like it's, this draft's not going my way. <laughs> let's only focus on the players that I want. I'll just rather be hit by a bus by that. Like if it's Alec Pierce, what's the deal with Alec Pierce? No production, big time athleticism. That is, that is the case. We have some other interesting players in Jalen Tolbert. You are still dreaming of a scenario where a team takes a really early shot on Justin Ross. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that here. That'd be fun. I mean, I would do backflips actually. If they're if they're sold on his medicals and they're taking him in the middle of the second round, Justin Ross might have the highest ceiling of any receiver left. They took a safety. The chat is not happy. I mean, anytime you can get another safety on your roster, <laughs> I hate these teams, Sean. I hate them. <laughs> I don't know exactly how he's going to get open if he's being quadruple teamed, but Cole Komet's ADP is. <laughs> In a very exploitable range, would you agree? I think Cole Komet has to be what I just described wanting Sky Moore to be, that guy that's always open because that's their only chance at this point. Uh, I'm with you. Yeah, Cole Komet is definitely a tight end to target at this point. So we move on to the Saints. We have the Chiefs behind them. And Ben, before we move on to the uh, from the Bears, though, th- this is a little bit of a surprise because you do have a young quarterback that you want to build around. Unlike some of the other scenarios we've talked about, there are some big doubters of Justin Fields, but he's someone who has the upside that you're not really looking to destroy him or destroy the team to pick one of the quarterbacks next year. Now you may destroy the team to get some high picks. Then you trade those picks, you rebuild your team, all that kind of thing. But it's not a thing where they're looking to tank for a quarterback. And they're also not a team where it's very likely that these three or four big name free agents who are left are going to be signed by them because that's not the direction they're going. So a lot of these teams that are passing on the receiver, you're like, okay, well, Jarvis Landry, Will Fuller, Julio Jones, you know, they've got some options. The Bears look like they're just going to take someone later. You think they're going to, sorry, you you think they're going to take a receiver later? A worse one? (laughs) Yes, I think they're going to take a worse receiver later. Nothing nothing is going right, Sean. Um, Look, if the Chiefs take Sky Moore, I'll be happy. I just want him to be on a good team. Yeah, I mean, everything will change in an instant. We're, we're fine. Sky yeah. Moore, George Pickens hanging right where we wanted them yesterday. Yeah. We got a lot we can still talk about from day one that I wanted to get to. I made some notes. Obviously, huge stuff. Oh, I want to talk to you about... But before we go to day one, Ben, Wandale. 
is he now a first round pick? This is an interesting one. When we were doing our different rookie guide mocks and you put out the, the first guide and, and you feel really good about it. And then you get the testing back and you get different things. You have to move the players around. You go back and look at the old mocks, the old rankings. And you're like, well, you know, we probably missed on that one. Curtis had Wandale and Travis had Wandale very high in the early stuff. And we kind of have come full circle here to where, I mean, I think that he looks like a borderline first round pick. Yeah, I love that. I, yeah, I was saying I'd have him quite a bit ahead of Mechie. I was thinking Mechie in in the sort of late second. You're saying maybe not even in the second. I was thinking Wanda 1-2, and I was saying that as well. So right at that turn somewhere, I think he fits in there nicely. Really good value for those who took him in uh, pre-draft rookie drafts because his, his value, I mean, his his stock in rookie draft should should definitely rise. The, the chat's speculating a little bit on where the quarterbacks might fall. We're on the Saints here. I mean, that's certainly one that could be an option. Dubner shares Galaxy Brain. Pittsburgh could take Malik at the QB1 and the QB2 in the draft. I believe he also tweeted earlier today. I'm, I'm guessing Dubner's an Eagle fan because he came on the stream last night rocking, uh, rocking an Eagles jersey. I believe he tweeted earlier today that the Eagles took Jalen Hurts. Somebody tweeted it. I'm, I'm giving Dubner the credit. Took Jalen Hurts when they had Carson Wentz installed as their starter. And even way back when, when they had McNabb, they took Kevin Kolb in the second round. And Howie Roseman was still uh, an executive on the team way back then, which was not something I knew or, you know, had, had pieced together. I think they would be a really interesting – I mean, I know everyone wants to love Jalen Hurts, but they've had their their concerns. That would be a really interesting move if Philly went out and got one of these quarterbacks. They are up in two more picks. So – we have Philly and Pittsburgh coming up, not likely quarterback landing spots, but as we continue to think through where the quarterbacks might go, those are maybes. The Colts behind them as well is another one that is a maybe. The Colts are a team that I have thought would target one of these QBs if they fall. A lot of the teams, I don't think it necessarily makes that much sense because we're still kind of in this range. If, if you don't have a QB and you take two then you get the one you need and you can play it to trade the other one. If you have a QB, I think this is still early to trade somebody to cause some problems on your roster. Now, sometimes it doesn't necessarily cause problems in a bad way. I and mean, the fact that they had Hurts to fill in when Wentz sort of imploded, and that's that's good for them. But we have seen plenty of situations where it causes problems with the starting quarterback. The team likes the guy that they draft and thinks they're going to be able to trade him for more later. But really what you end up doing is create a situation where you have an inexperienced backup You've got a problem with the team and you end up having to move the quarterback for a lot less later. So I guess I would still prefer the teams that, I mean, there are teams that need quarterbacks here. I would like to see the guys go in that situation, but we can't, we certainly can't rule out what you just described. The saints take a cornerback yet another team that probably could have taken a quarterback and did not. They took a corner back. We are now into the fifties. I mean, at least one of these quarterbacks is not going in round two at this point, unless they just all go off in these next 15 picks before the end of round two. I'm still just shocked by that, but that's where we're at on the quarterback class. It is not panning out, panning out in the way that, I don't know, we expected. Uh, How about, I'm just looking at the guys on the board right now, and what are the chances that Carson Strong is the, the next quarterback? <laughs> We might get to that point. We might get to that point where the expected QB six winds up being the next QB that someone loves. I, I mean, who's even going to take a QB coming up? We have now that the saints have gone the chiefs, probably not the Eagles. I just talked about how they could be a dark horse. Shout out Michael Dubner. It was indeed him. He mentioned in the chat, Pittsburgh Steelers would be taking quarterbacks uh, in both the first and the second round if they did that. So probably not. Colts make sense. Obviously, they went and got Matt Ryan, but they could develop one behind him. Packers have Mac Jones installed. I mean, excuse me, Patriots have Mac Jones installed. Arizona Cardinals behind them. Kyler Murray We've talked about trading him, but I don't think they're going to probably take a quarterback there. Cowboys behind that. Bills behind that. Those teams have quarterbacks. And then the Falcons come up again at 58. They might be looking at Malik Willis again at 58. Um, behind them, you have the Vikings. You have the Bucks, who might take one and, and let him play under Tom Brady. But yeah, not a lot of teams the rest of this round. Even after that, 49ers, Chiefs, Bengals, obviously none of them I would expect to take a quarterback. Obviously the Niners gave up a ton to get Lance, and then you have 
Mahomes and Burrow. And then you have the Broncos to close out the round already have Russell Wilson. Unless a team is trading into this round, there are not a lot of landing spots the rest of the second round that make a lot of sense for the quarterbacks. Vikings, dark horse, somebody says in the chat that, I I mean, I think that would make some sense. Certainly Kirk Cousins though was uh, extended this off season, much to the chagrin of anyone who cares about the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, this is uh, a little bit shocking there. It's a little bit shocking that we have not seen Sky Moore and George Pickens yet. We got our two running backs that we expected. It was not at all shocking that the Seahawks took one of them. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ben, I want to float a conspiracy theory for you while we have a moment here. What is the possibility of some very soft collusion? These teams that needed these quarterbacks get together and say, look, everybody has been bashing them. If we let them all fall into the third round, then we can still get them but we also get an extra second round pick. Let's let them fall. I I agree. That's definitely what happened. I'm, I'm hundred percent on board. <laughs> I mean, I, that, that sounds, uh, Ben, how's our rookies and sophomores team with the rookie quarterbacks doing? Ooh. Is it about to win the underdog tournament? That was a great strategy that we employed. <laughs> you can get a 100% sign up match $100 <laughs> and you can beat us in the underdog tournament regardless of what we do we're going to then we're going to take some more rookie quarterbacks right i mean yeah i mean look i'm i'm now looking into the into round 3 seattle is there at pick 72 in round 3 isaiah spiller you think for seattle early in round 3 or you need to mix and match your running back profiles yeah so i think he's got a good fit for what they need <laughs> once you have rashad penny and kenneth walker the third guy really should be spiller it rounds out what they have physically patriots just traded up the the chat is telling us for the chiefs pick so the chiefs were desperate to get pickens and more there yeah chiefs trading back apparently don't care about these receivers that we care about so that's fun do you want to talk about day one now because i I mean i I, like i'm (laughs) sick of seeing the picks come in yes hit hit me with day one ben what what are your thoughts we talked about aj brown and devonta i saw a lot of chatter today about we talked a little bit about the jets as well i saw a lot of chatter today about marquise brown seriously impacting and very negatively impacting Rondell Moore. I don't think it's good for Rondell Moore at all, but I thought that was interesting. I mean, I guess it's not good for Rondell Moore's upside case of getting a lot of vertical targets if Brown is, you know, a vertical element they're adding, but I just don't really see how they overlap that much. And then Jamison Williams, there was a lot of talk about what that means for Amon Ross St. Brown, and I also thought that was very interesting. Either of those interesting to you to talk about right now? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, one of the things is just – we're going to always give a little bit different analysis until the point 
that he completely craters for Rondell Moore because we're very high on him and it's not necessarily going to change until it has to change. And so obviously number one has changed already because we saw a rookie year where he wasn't as good as we expected him to be. But then the coach comes out and says, look, I, I didn't use him the way that I should. He's got this role within the offense. Now that role still seems to be there for me, right? Marquise Brown is a perfect fit for this offense. He's going to be someone who gets open deep. Murray's going to hit him down the field. They're going to have some fast scores, but Hopkins probably no longer one of the top five wide receivers in the NFL. He might still be in the top 10. You have those guys drawing a lot of the defense. If Moore is the player that we think that he is, he's going to absolutely clean up in the underneath and the intermediate over the middle of the field. That's not necessarily an area that Murray thrives in throwing right now, but you got a little bit of overlap, but at the same time, that can be overstated. If we think that Moore's snap count is going to be up, his routes are going to be up, they're going to use these guys in a way that is complementary. So it's more a matter of, does he still stay behind Antoine Wesley, or is he a starting player? Because if that's the case, I think that Brown has already demonstrated that he can be a very unique and potent NFL weapon, but he also has some weaknesses to where he's not a superstar. This, I mean, this may be not completely justified by his rookie season, but you look at the athleticism for Rondell, you look at the collegiate background, you look at a handful of the plays last year as a rookie. I would say that his upside to dominate the defense and to be a star is still better than Brown's. I love that. And I, I want to come back to it because we got a really interesting one, a guy that I know you like. Uh, I believe you talked a little bit with Scott Barrett about the, the, uh, this guy because you're telling me that Barrett really loves him. The Patriots went with Taekwon Thornton, who is extremely fast. The fastest dude at the Combine this year. Uh, I believe his unofficial time was sub 4-2. It was like, oh, hey, he just broke the record. Then they uh, adjusted it to the official, which was a little bit slower than John Ross's record but like we're talking a little bit slower this guy is incredibly fast patriots traded up to get him before george pickens before sky moore and he has an intriguing profile right he does he's a player here where he's got that speed and the patriots needed speed right they went out last year and kind of did I mean, they set the blueprint for the Jacksonville Jaguars to add a bunch of number three, number four type receivers and have them try and carry your quarterback. So that element of it, you know, probably not exactly what you're wanting to see. When you put his draft slot into the box score scout, you do get a very close comp with Philip Dorsett. Now the difference is in height, right? But a fast guy who had a good final season. That's not necessarily what you're looking for. You know, Jacoby Ford, Titus Young, Dante Pettis. I mean, those are not names that jump out at you and excite you. But you look at his final season here, and you know he gets up to the 948 yards. He gets the 10 touchdowns. He has a 30%, 37% dominator rating, and you know that's a, a good mix between yards and touchdowns. This is the kind of prospect that we talk about all the time who is overdrafted and then underperforms that draft slot with the one sort of asterisk where these freak score superstars are the players who occasionally you want to take a shot at. We talk about how if you're going to take a shot at a guy who has a profile that tells you they're going to massively underperform, at least make it somebody who is interesting in some way, right? So that'd be probably the difference between Thornton and Mechie. But the other problem that I would see here is just that the, the Patriots are going to be a very kind of garbled wide receiver depth chart. It's something else where it appears that the Patriots are looking for very specific roles as opposed to pl putting players out there who could emerge as well above average players. But when I'm looking at Thornton, Parker, I mean, Kendrick Bourne, we know, we know he's awesome. Yeah, that's why you're so down on this. I was going to say, you sound a little bit muted because you can't. You think he can't rise above Kendrick Bourne, right? Myers, Aguilar. I, I guess I don't think that the Patriots have solved their problems with Parker and Thornton, but it does make their team a lot more interesting, especially when they have the decent tight ends. Mac Jones, somebody 
who again, when we're talking about either super flex or best ball. How are you going to get some of these quarterbacks who could outperform and get them inexpensively? I think I like it for Jones, but I don't see how it works for any of the individual wide receivers. Yeah, I like that take. Other than the part where you said they're not letting anyone go be superstars because they realize they already have their elite target earning wide receiver one in Jacoby Myers, who they are doing a really good job of building around. And they now have all these role players around it. I think you solved the case. They realize you need receiver depth. You need to be able to be capable of, of running a lot of different types of formations and attack at different depths uh, of the defense. And when you have a guy like Jacoby Myers that anchors your entire wide receiver room, then you can build with various types around him. And so, I mean, probably the best receiving core in the league. They also got Kendrick Bourne, and now they have a guy who runs a 4-2. I, I mean, how can Mac Jones fail? He'd look good. And I think the Patriots are going to continue to be good. I think that their decline is overstated even though we do see them continue to do things that are a little bit eye-raising at times. You mentioned Scott's appearance on Road of His Overtime. For anybody who is interested to hear a little bit more about Thornton and some of these other guys, make sure you check that out. We really enjoyed that episode. It will still be very evergreen when you're doing your research on these guys post-draft as well. But I, I think this is an interesting pick. What, what are the chances that the Chiefs are thinking to themselves, no way the Patriots go up there for Thornton. We're going to move back. We're going to select him later. And now immediately they're thinking, well, that didn't work. I immediately regret this decision. They only moved back four picks. It probably wasn't Thornton specifically that they were, well, maybe. Maybe that's who they were moving back to try to target. Ben, what's your biggest uh, regret in a dynasty league where you move back a spot knowing there was no chance your guy was going to be picked? And then, like, you've never won a game in that league again. Well, I'm not good at dynasty so i just take the guy that i want i don't trade back four picks i would never risk that i overdraft the guy that i want chiefs move back four spots and are now in position to potentially get a different receiver or something else i don't know what else they got in that package you you mentioned thornton and then i was gonna say as you said what are the odds that the chiefs moved back and that was their guy Oh, the Steelers just took George Pickens. So now we have Pickens off the board. That's interesting. But that you basically just described Meikle Hardman. The Chiefs would have been taking Meikle Hardman again if they were going to take Taquan Thornton. Maybe they learned their lesson. Is that what, is that sort of what you're viewing? Thornton no. Uh, no. I, and he's got the ability, I think, to make plays down the field. And one of the things with, with Hardman was that he was basically a special teams player when the Chiefs drafted him. And so again, I mean, you're talking about this hubris of thinking we've made these things work before. We're going to make them work again. We took Tyreek Hill. And I mean, obviously that's in large part because of some very dark off the field stuff, but you know, he's there late. He's super fast. You can make anything work with Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Hardman's had some wild plays, but they basically took someone who, who needed to be completely built from the ground up as an NFL wide receiver with Hardman. I think that Thornton can beat people deep and you desperately need that. And well, you've always needed it, but it's, it's certainly a big part of what teams are looking for right now in the NFL. All right. Let's talk about the Steelers because one of the other things from day one that I wanted to get to was Kenny Pickett, because the, I mean, we're sitting here talking about all the quarterbacks. We liked a little bit more than Pickett, but Pickett is gone and he went in the first round. He's the only quarterback that the team actually cared about. I mean, is he the guy now in Pittsburgh? Obviously, they brought in Mitch Trubisky. I was thinking, you know, Trubisky had the two offers. They were supposedly similar offers. He went to Pittsburgh because he thought there was a better chance that he could start. He might be regretting that and wishing that he had followed Dable to the Giants because now I almost feel like he would probably have a better chance of moving into the starting role there over Daniel Jones at a certain point as opposed to now competing with, you know, a, a quarterback that the team just took in the first round. So Pickett's going to come in. People are talking about it being pro-ready. I mean, it's certainly a, an open question what that even means. Now he has George Pickens to add to Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson. James Washington is no longer there. Juju Smith-Schuster is no longer there. He also has Pat Fryermuth, who we love. That's a pretty good set of receivers, though. Deontay Johnson, obviously can draw a ton of volume. Claypool adds a big element to the, you know, athleticism to the to the wide receiver room, a downfield element. How does Pickens fit in there? 
yeah, I don't, I don't think this is the best spot for him because there's going to be at least a little bit of an overlap with what they're looking for from Chase Claypool. And so that part of it, I think maybe more so than what we were talking about with the Cardinals is a little bit disconcerting. And you're immediately going in and looking at being the number three guy. Now, maybe this raises a little bit of question about Chase Claypool. He's somebody that I did try and diversify away from this offseason even though I think Deontay Johnson is somebody you wanted to be diversifying into because even though they're going to have a rookie quarterback, it'd be very difficult to have worse quarterback play or even as bad a quarterback play as they've had the last two years. And so that portion of it could immediately move Johnson up. But somebody who comes in like this is going to, I think, cannibalize the situation there with Claypool. But from the picket perspective, things are, are going up and up here. I mean, without, and, and you know, we've seen him make some decent plays with his legs as well, but without that being a big part of his profile, I mean, you have to have him be a star to help your dynasty team in a big way to help your fantasy team in a big way. But at the very least, the Steelers are following a blueprint that would seem to make sense. Their picks have fit together nicely. They're building around the young QB immediately. One of the things that you do wonder is kind of where they were on some of these background kind of elements I think if you have the young quarterback, you're probably especially concerned about what that receiver is going to do for you, whether it's you know, working hard, being able to learn the playbook, being willing to run the routes the way they're designed, all of those things come into play a little bit. I think this is very positive in terms of being a vote of confidence for Pickens from a, ba- a background perspective. So these two things fit nicely together. I don't think it's great for, for Chase Claypool. Is that the way you'd be looking at it? Um, I think that was all great. I'm seeing Chiefs go Sky more. Boom. Sky to the Chiefs. All right, Ben, hold down hold down the fort. I'll be back. <laughs> we got something coming up with Sean. That was the first good thing that has happened. In this second round, the Colts also took Alec Pierce. We talked about as a big athletic guy. Um, I I mean, I love that for Michael Pittman, who I've not been super, super fond of. I was concerned that somebody would come in and basically be a better target earner than him. Alec Pierce is not the receiver that I would be concerned about that happening with. And now we have Sky Moore to the Chiefs. Sean has stepped away. And he's come back with his Chiefs hat on. And people are telling me to check a a car crash tweet about George Pickens. Apparently, I saw a comment here as well that Pickens was apparently in a car crash last week and hit his head off the windshield and was not wearing a seatbelt. That's very interesting. But I don't really know how to react to that. I'm going to focus on Sky Moore right now. Sean, what are your thoughts on Sky Moore to the Chiefs? Where's Pete? I mean, this was the perfect spot for the clip, right? The perfect spot. He he silenced us all as he does at the end of that. And now, I mean, Pat's going to win every league that he's drafted so far, right? Because Sky Moore has got to be, what, the 106? I love it. I've drafted him in both of my leagues so far. Uh, moved up to get him in one so i'm excited i got burks and more in my two leagues so far so all my bad quarterback decisions are going to be covered by i think two really nice value gains at receivers those might be two of the guys that move up the most how does more fit in what does it mean for juju i mean that's the guy that i i feel like it's a little bit of a little bit redundant with juju right I think that it probably is. I think that you're looking for them to do slightly different things. But one of the elements that we were really missing last year with Kansas City was these receivers who could dominate in the intermediate area. For all of the things that Hill has done, last year he was more or less reduced to being someone who caught the ball at the line of scrimmage or a player who was targeted way down the line, (laughs) just very, very deep and unsuccessfully right? They weren't able to get that element of it. So when teams challenged them to take some of these shorter plays, they were unsuccessful. The fact that they've gone out and gotten Sky Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, they still have MVS to go deep. They 
said a lot of very positive things about Hardman and how he can do some of those deep things too. I think they'll use him occasionally that way, but he's essentially your manufactured touch guy right over the middle. I mean, right there at the line of scrimmage. And so more juju, all of those areas that the chiefs were lacking last year, I think they're going to be more dominant at. And so the thing that I told you when they made this trade is that there were scenarios in which the offense would actually not just be better, but be significantly better next season Sky Moore now takes us in that direction. We put his draft slot into the box score, Scott, and you get Elijah Moore, you get DJ Chark, you get Calvin Ridley. You get some other names that I'm not going to mention because they're not as enthusiastic. That's the way comps work. <laughs> but, that was fantastic. But but this is this is fun, right? And I think the Chiefs are going through the process and fixing the elements that they need as opposed to trying to make one play to – hit the next Tyreek Hill. That was the thing that I was concerned about, that they're going to trade Hill and then make a very low percentage move for one of these rookies and say, this guy has to do it right away. I think the team is going to be built out nicely so they have a lot of options. Now, year one for Sky Moore, is this something where he's actually going to put up big numbers? I don't think so unless Juju is done. But as you look about at him evolving or improving throughout the course of the next two three four seasons i mean he's now got one of the highest floors in this entire draft beautiful i love it uh pete wanted an apology first of all i, I didn't hear one in there well we've been we've been dying for pete where's the where's the club but yeah <laughs> um uh, there were a few people talking about more falling just to address the draft capital thing Somebody looked it up. I think it was Sam Sherman. Shout out Sam Sherman. Looked up the grinding the mocks expected draft capital for more was pick 43. I was talking about pick 50 a little bit ago on the stream. So he went 11 picks after that. I mean, this is sort of what the evaluators were expecting. He did not go significantly further. He did fall a little bit and Chiefs did trade back. And maybe there's a very minor thing there. But I think that is more than covered by the landing spot hype, obviously. And we were talking about that with Pickens as well, falling. I do think for him as well, there's not a massive concern about him falling to 52. So these guys both get off the board. It did feel like a long time into this particular stream. We're almost going on two hours here. We've been sitting here talking. But both of those guys get enough draft capital that it's not a significant concern. More uh, per Pat Corain becomes the first uh, second round non-power five early declare wide receiver taken since Devonte adams so we're looking for the early declares most of the small school guys don't declare early they need that extra year to really get on the nfl radar more did declare early and still gets drafted in the second round i mean this doesn't happen small school guys that declare early and declare early despite getting hit by the pandemic right which that's one of the things that's made it harder for a lot of these receivers to build out their resumes in ways that other players didn't necessarily have to deal with. Right. And so that's like that, that for me is the other reason I'm not at all concerned about the draft capital because there was already going to be league skepticism about a small school guy declaring early. And that just doesn't typically happen. I mean, that is actually substantial buy-in. No one has gotten it, uh, gotten this high of a draft pick from a small school, a wide receiver who's declaring early. And like you said, with even, the pandemic in his face, not getting as many reps, not getting on tape as much to get to the point where he was able to be taken in the second round is pretty fantastic. And, and like Sam brings up, there were a lot of other receivers that were drafted ahead of him. He says he doesn't think that's a big deal. I'm going to add as well. I don't, I have no concern about that, honestly. I mean, I think that's, I, I think that stuff gets brought up too much. It, it, it does matter to a degree, we do need to listen to what the, the NFL tells us, but in my opinion, you you do have to look at it a little bit like that's one team's preference, right? Like what were the Patriots looking for? They were looking for speed. And now we have Trey McBride. Sean, you might need to go change your hat again. Your boy Trey McBride, who I know you love as a top tight end in this class, is going to the Arizona Cardinals. Oof. Oof. You don't like it. This is perfect. Oh. I mean, perfect for a fan. I mean, I'm sitting here in Tucson, Arizona. We've got 
the bright sunshine. It's an absolutely gorgeous day. Arizona Cardinals fans, I think now are partying because they have Marquise Brown and Trey McBride. I was actually thinking maybe the Chiefs would go McBride. That was the other direction I was really hoping that they would be able to do as we got to the end of the second round here. You were hoping the Chiefs might load up behind Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I mean, we we run the 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 Gronk Hernandez offense with elite receivers and a better quarterback. And how many undefeated seasons in a row would be talking there? So how high does Trey McBride move now? And real quick, hit that subscribe button. We are up over 700 subscribers. We've added a good number during this stream. But let's let's get to 750. We're at 719 right now. Go hit subscribe on the Road of His YouTube channel. Sean, where does Trey McBride get to in tight end premium? We'll say Superflex as well. You said Sky Moore is now the 106. I like that, holding you to that. Trey McBride is the what? Well, I, I've kind of felt that he needed to be in that 111 to 202 range. And now especially, if the quarterbacks are not even going to factor into this year's draft, then you're talking about these guys are definitely in that type of category. You've got an offense, again, that can score a lot of points. Then at some point here, though, we are going to have to start talking about Arizona maybe having too many mouths to feed. Are are we getting into that range at this juncture? I'm concerned. Yeah. I mean, I'm a little worried about McBride. That I mean, I think they really like Ertz. And so now you have Ertz and McBride, and, and probably Ertz is going to block McBride to some extent early on. We don't always see the, the rookie tight ends perform right away, obviously. That was discussed a lot last year with Kyle Pitts. We did see Pitts get on the field a lot, but he was basically playing wide receiver. But low-key, we also saw it from Pat Fryermuth last year, mostly just playing tight end. I think it's more possible in today's NFL for these rookie tight ends to produce early. I don't love this for him producing in 2022 because he has arts ahead of him. And I, I'm almost more concerned about McBride for Rondell long-term than I was about Marquise Brown. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's any question about that. The, the upside element and the exciting element, again, purely from a reality perspective, is that the Cardinals are now clearly one of these teams, not that they weren't before, but little by little, they've been putting the pieces in place to be essentially what we saw last year with the Bengals, the Bills, the Chiefs, where the team that had the ball last was going to win. The Cardinals have also gone through some phases where the defense was very good. They have this decline down the stretch. They have the embarrassing playoff game loss. They have supposedly some pretty heated interactions between coach, GM, all of that situation at the end of the owner at the end of the season. And they have responded by now putting the pieces in place to be the highest scoring offense in the NFL. And also, I think, put the pieces in place to create a situation where Kyler Murray doesn't feel like he has to do it all himself. For all of the concerns about some of the things he doesn't do, throwing the ball well underneath, for some of the things about maybe his personality and his leadership, we saw him really competing in the actual games themselves last year. And you you need everything from your starting quarterback. You need that off-the-field leadership, and you need – someone who you don't have to guess every day what they're going to be like, but you also need someone who fights during the games. And we saw that from him. I think they're putting together not only a high scoring offense, but the more pieces that they have here, I think, and the injuries are going to mostly be luck. But when you're talking about him getting out on the edge with the pieces now, it's going to be easier to get out there. He's going to have this element to where, I mean, you could see him now, it, when he wants run for huge chunks, they won't necessarily need to, but also I think be able to get down a little bit better and not take some of these hits. I just, I, I think this decreases the chance for injury, increases the upside. Kyler Murray, someone who it's not an absurd discount when you're talking about going around to a round and a half later than other QBs who are probably being overdrafted, but Lamar Jackson looked like a silly discount in early leagues, but now his situation has actually gotten worse. Murray was a little bit cheaper. If you were drafting Murray in this pre-draft period, I think that you've won by a good like 18 picks of value. And you're still in the range where that matters. Yeah, and Murray, I mean, he started incredibly hot last year. He got hurt. He was inactive for a bit, cooled off a little bit down the stretch. The whole offense cooled off. But you got to remember down the stretch, he was throwing to, I mean, Hopkins was not healthy. 
he was throwing to AJ Green, Zach Ertz, Antoine Wesley. They weren't playing Rondell Moore and Christian Kirk. And now he's going to be throwing to presumably a healthier DeAndre Hopkins, right? Probably still going to have Ertz out there. I don't know that AJ Green's necessarily going to be getting on the field a ton because you're going to have Marquise Brown out there instead of like Antoine Wesley. You're going to have Rondell hopefully playing more if they are smart. I would say less Ertz and more Trey McBride and getting a little bit more youth and explosiveness in their tight end, but probably won't see that a ton in 2022, but you have depth as well. Now you start to have injuries. You don't have to play Antoine Wesley. I think this was a really intelligent move by them to understand that they were put in a position last year where they didn't like their receiver depth chart. They were starting Wesley and AJ Green on the outside and Kirk on the slot. I again, still maintain they should have just kicked Kirk to the outside and played Rondo Moore in the slot, but they now have more depth throughout at receiver and at tight end. They went and traded for Ertz midseason to bring in the tight end element. He's in a way better position. He's going to have four targets on some plays that were better than any of the targets that were running routes at the end of last season on some of those plays. Four of his five eligible receivers will be, you know, Hopkins, Brown, Trey McBride potentially, and Rondell Moore. I mean, if you get those guys out in a route together, that's that's exciting. Like that's a lot different than what he was throwing to down the stretch in 2021. We got the Cowboys going edge rusher. Stephanie has been hoping the Cowboys would land one of these receiver. Uh, yeah. The receivers who all went and, and she feel my pain with what the Seahawks did. I'm sorry, Stephanie for the Cowboys reaching again. Um, and now the bucks traded up to take an offensive lineman. So nothing too exciting while we were talking about the much more exciting landing spots of Sky Moore to the Chiefs and Trey McBride to the Cardinals. No quarterbacks yet. Oh, the Falcons are back on the clock, though, as I say that. Can we get a quarterback off the board? How is this not going to be a quarterback? This has to be a quarterback, right? This has to be Malik Willis. And the early returns, Marcus Mariota is, is too good. You don't want to... Uh not get a chance to see him play then before we get, get to that, that 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 obviously is the question james connor we talk about running backs and the offenses matter delivering you down to the goal line we know the cardinals love to run in those short yardage situations this offense so explosive that james connor could challenge some of those say 2000 to 2010 massive running back touchdown seasons i wrote about this recently in relation to jonathan taylor Connor, obviously not that talent, but we saw what he could do last year, even with the sort of lack of speed that he does have. If the Cardinals don't hit that position and the way they're loading up on offense, I, I would definitely not put it past them to, to add someone. If we stay with the same depth chart, I mean, is James Connor? I mean, you and I don't believe in taking running backs in the first round unless they're going to have 25 point per game upside. I mean, we're getting to the point where, where Connor could have that. Whew. So you're going to tell me, you know, he's a third round pick. <laughs> Where is he going right now? Anyone who's been drafting a lot, let me know, because I was under the impression he's still going like the third, fourth. I, I would love to take him in the third if that's his value, but you want to take James Conner. Well, how about this one? Does he move ahead of Javante Williams with the situation there? No. I don't know. I mean, you just made a really compelling case for James Conner. Let's, let's be honest, though. They both have to be behind Kenneth Walker, who is now the starting running back for the Seattle Seahawks. No, I don't have a good answer for that. You made a very compelling case. It makes me also want to be on the Cardinals backups as well, because it is a thin depth chart. And Connor has had some injury issues in the past. And so Dubner says Connor's been going in the third mostly. I like that price. I don't think he can go. In, I don't think I can take him in the first. This probably is only going to be accurate for another. 100 picks or so but i do wish i had even more you know benjamin especially because we don't necessarily i mean we don't necessarily know that benjamin's the number two i don't think his price can rise too much i think he's a very fun pick right now falcons went with a linebacker ben i've heard that the only position more important than running back in 2022 in the nfl is linebacker is that correct i mean it's definitely not quarterback judging by this draft apparently the quarterback position is not even worth taking shots on. I mean, you have like PFF doing all this research showing how much more, how many more wins over replacement a quarterback can generate. 
even an average one can generate over an elite player at any other position. Why wouldn't you just be taking these shots? I don't understand these teams. I mean, if you're an Atlanta fan, and I feel for them because that sucks that you're an Atlanta fan, but like, how are you not just miserable that they're not seeing what they could get out of Malik Willis? Like, Marcus Mariota is not your future. And I like Mariota. I'm excited to watch Mariota. I'm going to be in on Mariota now that, that they're apparently not willing to draft another QB. But And I'm looking at this, and it seems like this, this linebacker has been first-team all-conference at three positions. Are you changing your take? No. Uh, was one of those positions quarterback? <laughs> I don't believe it was. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't want to be down on him, but he was all first-team at other positions that also don't matter okay so they also pick at 74 this was pick 58 yeah they're gonna get their guy you're they're you're 16 picks away and they still might be the next team to take a quarterback carson strong is looking good Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.